As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, hi. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here. Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFredDailyGardenTips. Lots of snark. Oh, and the social media stuff. You got your Twitter, at Farmer Fred. You've got the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. You've got Instagram. You've got Pinterest. You've got YouTube. You've got TikTok and uh, whatever else is out there in the 21st century. On today's show, I think we've decided that the theme for today being the first weekend of fall, life is too short to put up with a problem mm. plant. This is the time of the year to be doing some serious planting and some serious thinking first about what plants are really working in your yard and which aren't. Which are the ones that, and you know the ones, you've got those plants in your yard that you stare at and you go, well, maybe next year it'll be fine. Maybe <laughs> it'll grow next year. Maybe it'll produce fruit next year. Well, maybe not. It depends on the age of the tree, of course. But uh, you have to make that consideration too as far as annuals. If you've been not getting very many tomatoes this year, maybe it's the end of tomato season. Maybe it's time to take those plants out, renourish the soil, and plant something else. To help us out in this endeavor today, from home, home <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Flower is here, ex-American River College, Sierra College, Cooperative Extension horticulture teacher. Yeah, I did all those things. Yeah, you did. You did you've done a lot. I have. I yeah, can't believe you're I retired. I know. Me neither. When are you going to get a business card? <laughs> I don't know. I've been spending the all my retirement so far taking care of sick people, but they've all died now. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I shouldn't go into that. Well, that is a career. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well. So, well, but talking about life is too short to put up with a problem plant. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. It has pointed uh, out my mortality to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But, uh, no, I, I, somewhere there's a horticultural consultancy firm Oh yeah, coming from you. And, and I've, I've done, I did that when I worked at a nursery, and, and what makes me hesitate is that people don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, there is that, yes. yes. These, these aren't uh, students vying for an A. No, no. <laughs> these they, are homeowners who have their own ideas. Own idea, and they have pictures, and 
They wa- or they watch those TV shows where in a day they convert your, you know, whatever to, to this beautiful yard with all these plants and everything lives in your mind. Uh, it's a lot of work yeah. to choose the right plant, put it in incorrectly, get it to establish, prune it appropriately, care for it, you know, water it correctly. It's a lot of work and it isn't always successful. So it's... Uh, and it's not your fault. Exactly. It, and don't accept the blame for it. Don't. It, it's it's not a child. It's a plant. Right. And you, you, there's hope for your children. Right. I, I have. And, you know, I, Don Shore and I were doing this show decades ago once, and, and he said to somebody, well, no, Debbie and I still kill plants. Yes. <laughs> we just know why they died. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's basically the difference. Yeah. Is uh, we know exactly what went wrong. Right. But uh, all gardening is local, and, yes. and it's even more local than what it is in around your yard. Right, there are better spots than others. Right, There's and lo- each plant is individual. The production, whoever worked grew that plant before you got it, also has has uh, played into what happens to it. And I, uh, I'm have been having a lot of trouble with circling girdling roots um, in plants I have purchased at reputable sales places, and and so I'm very discouraged about that right now. As well as what people planted before you were there. Yes, they. some of those have failed as well, yeah. or have been bad choices for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I've, I've put a lot of money into taking trees down. Mm-hmm. I have dug up plants I didn't want out of the yard of the house I purchased, and they were still in the original black plastic pot. Oh, you're kidding me. No, oh, my goodness. No, that's, that's called gardening in a hurry. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, that's really bad news. <laughs> Talk about girdling roots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that's why, you know, you get rid of these plants. Yes. Because you never know what sort of surprises you might find. Right. There could be issues that you understand even if you're a novice. Right. What went wrong. Right. But this is the time of the year to make some tough decisions. Now, one decision you can make might be consider- concerning your lawn. hmm And if you have a poor performing lawn... This is the time of the year to rehab it because yes, it is. the days are shorter, the days are cooler, but the soil is still warm. Mm-hmm. We're getting moisture. Yeah, last night uh, half inch in some parts of Amazing. Sacramento. Amazing weather. Yeah. Scary in some cases. Well, it's fall, so mm-hmm. it happens. It does. Yeah, and you know, there are people there who are very happy right now. Mhm. I I myself love summer, but whatever, I'll put up with this for the next 6 months. <laughs> Just to get back to the next summer. Yeah. Uh, But still, your lawn is something you may want to keep for whatever reason. They may not be good reasons, but you like your lawn. Mm -hmm. I I think it's psychological. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been drilled into us that that's the uh, aesthetic. Since the 1700s. Right. Basically, I mean, lawns were the sign that you were rich. Mm -hmm. That you were so rich, you could afford to have this ornamental area of closely mown species of something and didn't have to be growing food in that location mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. And it goes back even further. My archaeological anthropological teacher of a child was telling me that uh, it goes back to the beginning of civilization where homeowners in their caves or whatever would want a clear area in front of their front door so they wouldn't be attacked by a lion or a tiger when leaving their front door. So they wanted a cleared area. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so not that we have to fear, uh, you know, lions or tigers. Maybe 
people stealing Amazon packages <laughs> off your yes, porch. Yes, yes, yes. But there's cameras for that now. But this is the time of the year to be rehabbing your lawn. Right. Maybe even shrinking the size of the lawn. Right. All right. The steps for rehabbing your lawn could be as simple as simple as dethatching, aerating, overseeding, and then putting your sprinklers on new lawn setting where it comes on for a few minutes, four times a day or thereabouts. And then after it's up, going back to what it should be, mm-hmm. which this time of year might be once a week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for agreeing with me. You don't have a lawn at all, do you? I have a, yes, I have a no mow lawn. That's right. Oh, that's something else I'm taking out. You are? Yes. Okay. I, I'm giving up because it is a problem plant. Oh, really? This, this no mow or mow free mm-hmm. fescue variety. Mm-hmm in order to stay green, was just using way too much water. See, mine doesn't. Mine, I water it every two weeks only. And that big tree that I lost shaded it and a lot of it. And I thought, oh, this is it. It's toast. And it looked like toast for a while, but it's come back green. There's some patches that I do want to work on. But mine is doing fantastically. Now, I seeded mine, and I sourced my own seed. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the difference. I don't know. Well, I seeded my own, too, from a reputable right, p- did. place. And I think what had mine sort of on the uh, cusp of failure, <laughs> unlike you, I have two dogs, one being a female dog. And when you have dogs, they like to pee on lawns, and some species of lawn just tend to brown up more due to the threat of high acidic urine. Right. So what what can you do? Well, you you can go out after each each pee and water it down. But well, unfortunately, <laughs> I was doing something very akin to that by putting it on its own timer and its own sprinkler to come on for one minute or two minutes four times a day. Oh, okay. Or actually, every four hours. And I just got tired of that mm-hmm. because, as you know, when you water like that, you're not developing deep roots. Right. That, yes, the the yes. So then you have to water like that because the roots are uh, near the surface where they're getting that water that's coming on. Yeah. Uh, a couple of minutes periodically. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> so do I get rid of the lawn or do I get rid of the dogs? Ah, uh, yeah. It's I can understand the the lawn goes. All what right. are you going to put in its place? <sighs> no. Uh, well, no I want decision uh, the dog. The dogs want a lawn. Oh, okay. All right. So it just may be your typical cool season dwarf tall fescue variety. But they'll still do that lawn. But this, I, I've had the dogs on cool season fescue at the old place, uh-huh. and there wasn't the burning that I'm really? seeing with this. So I think this variety is just more susceptible to oh, urine. Oh, that's burn. a possibility. Mm-hmm. So that means that's I that means I have to buy a lawn more. <laughs> yeah, we gave ours away. Yahoo! Yeah. Yeah. But I'm only dealing with 200 square feet. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. So maybe out there is a small electric mower I could use. Oh, yeah. I bet you yeah. could get one from... Uh, you're on SMUD, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, they would know. Yeah, they would know. They're battery-operated ones, too. Yeah. But I'm figuring there's a plug right there, and it's only 200 feet, and the mm-hmm. run is only 25 feet, so... You won't run over the cord that often. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but as it is, what I'm doing now is weed whacking it down to nothing. Uh-huh. And then either pulling up what's there or just putting another couple of layers of soil on top of that and reseeding that. Did uh, Bermuda grass invade your mow free? No, no, it didn't. Uh, what I did get, though, 
there were bulbs coming up. I don't know from where. Uh, mm. Strawberries, the wild strawberries uh-huh. were coming up. Oh, that's because of the water. Yeah. Yeah, they like that water. Um, some sort of uh, oxalis or wood sorrel mm-hmm. was coming up. That's typical. Uh, oh, and, and that uh, hairy, uh, 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 hairy uh, popweed, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the common name is popweed. Oh, I don't know a uh, weed named popweed. Oh. Harry. It, but the first name is Harry. <laughs> Harry Popweed. I want to say Harry Stinkwort, but that's not it, <laughs> uh, which would be a good name for a garden show host. Um, oh, it'll come to I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. It'll come to me. Okay. All right. But it's a very interesting weed because when you go to pull it, the seeds pop and spread like crazy. It's really an interesting way to survive yeah. if you're a weed. Right. That when you see these seed heads, it's too late. Because when you pull it, it's going to explode. Okay. And just go everywhere, including into your eyes and nose. Oh, little Harry Bittercress. Thank you, Harry Bittercress. See, we didn't have to take a break, Mike. We don't have to take a break now. (laughs) We solved that issue. Okay, we will take a break. Mike Murray's here running the board. He wants to hear from you. Call us with your garden questions. 916-576-1578-866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back to the program. Got a garden question? Give us a call. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Email. Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Garden Grappler coming up at 11 a.m. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. And while you're there, you're going to find a big list of October garden tasks. Yeah. And it's... It's It's really long. You think you're going to relax in October? No. Uh, October is really, I think, the prime garden season. Mm -hmm. When you think about what needs to be done in the garden, there's more hope in spring, and now it's more revenge. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking prep myself. Uh, okay, prep. But, well, there's that too. But, but prep, uh, in, in, including revenge, take something out and prep that hole. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, you know, I think one of the main things to do this time of year is really to clean, to clean up mm-hmm. the messes that are out there. Yes. And get rid of fruit that's fallen or fruit that's hanging in Absolutely. the tree that, that you're not going to pick because birds have been pecking at it. Absolutely. Sanitation is huge in, in pest control. Yep. Uh, both uh, insects and diseases, um, uh, you got to get rid of the source, and the source is often a a, a remaining leaf or or uh, fruit. Uh, last time I was here, we talked about roses, mm-hmm. getting the black spot out, out off the plant and rake it out from underneath the plant and put in new mulch, um, change your watering if that's the problem. Yeah, a lot of things need to be fixed. Yeah, and uh, even simply cleaning up fallen leaves mm-hmm. can help. Now, you may think, well, I want to use those leaves as mulch. Can't I just leave them there? Depends. Right. It does depend. Yeah. It depends like, well, have you had an insect issue? Mm-hmm. Because if you have, they may be spending the winter in that pile of leaves. Yes. But the, also in the pile of leaves, other things will take up residence, uh, spiders in particular. Uh, and spiders will eat potentially that insect you, that was your problem. So you can set up an ecology by using those leaves as mulch. Um, if they have something else in them, like the black spot or the powdery mildew, um, then you don't want to leave them under the plant that shed them. 
because that will be a source of, of re-inoculation. I guess one thing you could do would be to compost those leaves in an active compost pile. Right, that's the key, an active compost pile. It's, it's got to be hot. 120, 140 degrees. Mm-hmm. And in everything I've ever read about building a compost pile, it seems like the ideal dimensions for a compost pile are three feet by three feet by three feet. Absolutely. Pallets are, are good to use if you can get used wood pallets as the structure because they automatically end up with the three feet by three feet. It's actually a little bigger mm-hmm. than that size. Um, and uh, you can pile it up to three feet and you can sort of get in there and turn it. And you have to turn it regularly to keep it hot. Right. And pellets are a good idea because you've got that ventilation. Because yes, you need air. There's That's that space. That's always the limiting factor in a compost pile. Uh, there's there's an organization in Tucson, Arizona that uh, did a lot of work on, on composting. Tucson's a very hot, dry place, very hot and dry. I lived there a couple of years, moved there from New Jersey, never fainted so much in my life. It took me a while to realize how much. <laughs> I only fainted a few times. Okay, well, I had to figure out. I didn't realize how much water I needed to consume. Mm. Uh, because it is so dry. It's drier than Sacramento, and it's hotter than Sacramento. And the, they found, you know, the things you need in a compost pile are obviously the, the stuff you're going to compost, which is the carbon, the brown stuff, mostly carbon, a little, some of the green stuff. Um, which could be uh, fruit and vegetable food scraps. Could be, yep. Yeah. Or green leaves or, right. or weeds without seed heads. Uh, and then um, you need water and you need oxygen. And you'd think in a very hot, dry climate, water would be the limiting factor in a compost pile. Absolutely not. The limiting factor was oxygen. And the way you introduce oxygen into that pile, the easiest way, is you turn it. Right. When I taught at the skill center, we had a huge compost pile. We put all our weeds and prunings and stuff in there. We chipped our prunings to smaller size. And um, every day we would go out and I'd make the students move the pile <laughs> from point A to point B. It was just on a concrete base up against a brick wall. And we would just move it from point A to point B. And we had finished compost in two weeks. That is just what Dr. Uh, Bob Robbie at, at University of California talks about in his rapid composting yeah. uh, brochure is that three foot by three foot by three foot pile turned frequently. You have basically three sections mm-hmm. where you can turn the material into. Right, from and, one pit to another right. pit. And you have finished compost in two weeks. Yep. The key is the turning, and I'm too lazy for that. All right. (laughs) Let's go to the phones, answer some gardening questions. John and Turlock, how the heck are you? We're doing just fine. All right. Did you get any rain down there last night? Uh, No, no, nothing. We got, you know, dew, but (laughs) but it's perfectly clear down here. No no problems at all. Hey, uh, I wanted, first of all, I want to say I bought some uh, uh, citrus from Four Winds Grower, and they made a mistake. Uh Uh-oh. But, but. Uh, I emailed them, and the next day they sent me out a new one. So I always say if you're going to buy stuff or whatever, you find out what kind of company you are by when they do make a mistake, how how quickly they turn it around and and uh, do that. So I just wanted to because I know you, you've uh, mentioned them before, and it's the first mm-hmm. time I've ever ordered something from them. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that, that, that to me is the sign of a good company. Yep, the, the Dillon family are good people. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, the, the reason I call is I, I need to find out uh, from you guys. I, I, I bought the citrus because uh, I plan on uh, espaliering them, uh, most of them. I only I got four trees, but uh, three of them are going to be espaliered. So I, I, I espaliered pears and and apples and things like that. So I know how to I know how to espaliate. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what kind of design uh, is best. 
uh, or uh, for citrus because I don't know how they fruit. I, 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 I've never really noticed uh, they fruit on new wood. Can you, you know, like with apples and pears, you can you can keep a fixed, uh, you know, design and never have to worry about, you know, because they, uh, you don't have to, they're doing it on old wood. So that's that's my question. I didn't hear a question mark in that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, what kind of design is, uh, is best for citrus. Citrus. You know, they have an excellent display of espalier citrus at the Fair Oaks Hort Center. And if you visit them in Fair Oaks Park, you can get some really good ideas of the construction materials needed and, and how to do it. In fact, on next week's show, the guy that did it, Quentin Young, will be the guest. Oh, wow. So be listening next week, and we can have more uh, tips for you on uh, espaliering citrus. I want to say okay. they bear on new, new wood. Uh, I'm thinking okay. of my lemon. Um, I'm not sure they're all the same, though. No, some are easier than others. I think my grapefruit bear on older wood. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. So that's why. It's a question for Quentin. Yes. So okay. Well, that's good. You know, like I say, that's fine because I like to say that's important because I mean, you know, is a fan design better because that's easier to cut out old wood and uh, you know let new new growth res whereas you know, uh, horizontal branches on a on a on a fence or something is not good for stuff that uh, that you're going to have to cut out and everything like that all the time. It so, seems to me the design but, at uh, the Fair Oaks Hort Center for their citrus on the espalier is more T-shaped. Okay. So I mean, they do have some fan shapes, but the fan shapes are, I think, more on uh, peach trees or pear trees. Right. 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 Okay. So, but that, right. that's a question well, for Quentin for next week. Okay, good. Well, I'll be listening. Good. See, this is how I keep an audience. Yeah, very good. All right. <laughs> Thanks, John. All right. Thanks. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, yeah, Quentin's going to be talking about, uh, and it is an amazing job he's done down there in the orchard mm-hmm. at the Ferrex Horticulture cool Center. to check out. Exactly. When, I, when people, you know, look at me cross-eyed when I say you can have a fully bearing deciduous fruit tree maintained at a height of seven feet, mm-hmm. and they look at you funny. Mm-hmm. I just sent them to the Fair Oaks Hort Center. Yes, and there you can, they've been there for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah since the it's 1990s. Not, yeah, it's not just a shot in the dark. Yeah, so it does work. And it, sure, it, and as you know, it, as you get older, it's not good to be on ladders as much as you used to. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, oh, my. I guess we'll take a break. And when we come back, uh, let's uh, answer some more questions. Also, oh, somebody has trouble with a maple tree. They've sent pictures. I'll hold the pictures up to the microphone. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with our favorite college horticultural professor, Debbie Flower, is here. And we're answering your gardening questions. Garden Grappler coming up at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com as well as at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Let's delve into the emails you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. And Tom and Florin writes in, he says, I planted this maple, a gift from my mother, Five years ago, the tree grew like gangbusters with wonderful curves and bends. I moved from Dixon with a huge garden and downsized to my 55-year-old and retirement, oh, 55-year-old plus, plus retirement community. Old people place. Yeah, yeah. we qualify. <laughs> I know. To be closer to home. We own our lots and homes here so we can garden, but in small spaces. My vegetable garden did great, as did the other trees I've planted. Everything but my maple that failed to turn colors or drop its leaves last fall. It's trying to come back from the base. Any hope? 
Well, here we have a picture that he sent of his suffering maple tree, which has a lot of brown leaves, mm-hmm. and it's in a container. Now we know mm-hmm. how it got from Dixon right. to, to Florence. It's in a uh, like a half wine barrel. Possibly, yeah. It's hard to say, but it is yeah. a, a rather large barrel, and that might be part of the problem. It's still in a barrel. It's still in a barrel. It's been there. He said he had it, got it from his mother five years ago. Yeah. That's a long time for a plant to be in a container and never uh, be knocked out, have fresh media put in, et cetera. Uh, the, the container media uh, compresses over time. It breaks down like a compost pile breaks down. And so the open pore spaces where the air and water that the roots need uh, hang out are not so open anymore. So uh, maybe the drain holes are gone too. Right. We don't know if that pot yeah. has drains. The pattern of death, the fact that the top died out, could be verticillium wilt, mm-hmm. which uh, infests the plant during a uh, wet season uh, when there's standing water near the base of the plant. And but we don't see the symptoms until the plant. It's like a clogging of the arteries in a human. We don't see the symptoms until the plant needs to pump a lot of water through it, which is during the the hot season during the summer. And then we see the death, which would follow the pattern of death we're seeing in that plant. Just like my heart surgery. Yes. 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 But I, we don't. Hers. We can't do that to a plant. Yes. You don't uh, have the tools to open up those skinny va- uh, xylems and phloems. And it rained a lot last year. In fact, our rain total so far, the rainy season isn't officially over until October first or September thirtieth, if you will. That's true. And so for this rainy season, and tack on a quarter inch or a half inch from last night. And that would bring the seasonal total in Sacramento up to 26.6 inches, which is about 129% of normal. Right. So it's a wet. It so was. it was a wet season. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that could certainly play a role in this as far as There are a lot of other options. Yeah, there are. And uh, I guess the first thing would be maybe do a little CSI on it and mm-hmm. dig it out of there. When it goes dormant, dig it out of there. I wondered if it was too deep, if it had mm-hmm. sunk. That happens with plants, and it takes oh, about three to five years. You think, oh, it's established, and what, but it has sunk, and now all the water is flowing to the trunk, and that can lead to the verticillium, or it can just drown the plant outright. Take the plant out. Now, if you put it back in the pot, put in fresh soil, untangle the roots. Yes, Cut maybe the roots. prune the roots. Yeah, yeah, make sure the drain holes are open, or even raise that barrel off the ground another inch or so. Put some bricks under it. Right. To help keep those uh, drain holes open. Yes. If that's the problem. If it's verticillium, one easy way to see if it's verticillium on a branch, if you can find one on this tree where it's half dead, half alive, mm-hmm. is to scrape away the outer bark. And if you see streaks of brown mm-hmm. running through that open area, that's a sign of verticillium. Right. Wilt. That's the clogging of the, the yeah. plumbing in the plant. Right. right. The xylem and a phloem, two good words for words with friends. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there's a lot of possibilities there, Tom. Good luck. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Phil and Moraga, always interesting. Hi, Phil. Hello. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Hi. <laughs> um, I have a question about some irrigation. I'm trying to put in a new automatic system. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering if there's a wireless one out there. Mm-hmm. There is. Hunter has one where you run it from your phone. Yeah. I mean, so I, really, completely wireless. Oh, oh, completely wireless, where it's yeah, going, yeah, like yeah. like you're Bluetoothing from the valves to the control box in the garage. Boy, that would be expensive, yeah. I would think, at this point. I got to believe there's one out there somewhere. Yeah. I'm not familiar with one. That's a good question for the people at Hunter, uh, if there is a, a total Bluetooth available. Wouldn't that be nice? You don't have to go crawling under houses or anything? 
Well, that's what I'm saying because I don't want to run new lines. Yeah. It's school. Yeah. You know, huh. And, okay, can I ask you one more about the pressure? I, I need to I need to regulate this pressure. It's like way too high. Can I do that off each each individual anti-siphon valve, or do I have to do it on the main run? Uh, you could do it off the valves. I would recommend you do it at the valves and not at the sprinkler head. So many people, when they're retrofitting a sprinkler system to a drip irrigation system, they tend to limit the pressure at the endpoint, at the sprinkler. And all that does is suck frogs into the anti-siphon valve because you've developed a vacuum that really just has a lot of pressure to it and, and sucks little frogs and insects and clogs the system. So, yeah, do it at the valves. Well, at the valve or before the valve? Uh, you see, and, and the valves, yeah. are the valves that are self-regulating now that I can, because uh, some of them are kind of, you know, I'm not. Yeah, well, well I, you could do it on the input uh, that leads to the valves. You could have that yeah. there. I would I would do that because then it's yeah. once and done. Yeah. Okay. And should that be on the riser so I have access to that, that unit or should it be, can I bury that? Well, yeah. I'd bury it, but I'd put it in a box that you could easily get to. Sweet. Okay. Great. Well, that was fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. You guys are awesome. Have a, have a beautiful day. All right. By the way, Fred, I went to my, my 40th high school reunion last night. Were you? Oh, wow. How many were there? Uh, there was 120 out of 360. That's pretty good. Seven of, us, seven of us rode the same bus to, to Reem School to kindergarten. Oh, wow. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Very cool. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was. It was a trip. Anyway, um, and other people smoked banana peels were there, though. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what <laughs> happened to the generation. <laughs> that... have, a good, have a good day. <laughs> All right, Phil. Bye-bye. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, kids out there, yes, indeed, smoking banana peels was a thing for about six months. Until <laughs> <laughs> some people realized this is doing nothing. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine that I ride a bike with went to his 60th. Wow. High school reunion at El That's Camino High School impressive. a couple weeks ago. He was the only one who showed up on a bike. Good for him. Yeah, good for that's him is right. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Hope I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. All right. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about some uh, October garden, as Don Shore would put it, opportunities okay. uh, to do in the garden in this coming month. We'll do that. Sounds good. Debbie Flower is here. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. It's happening. Wherever cupcakes are being frosted, songs are being recorded, and engines are being tuned, ADP is designing a better way to work. With industry-leading HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll, more companies rely on ADP than any other HR partner. From small business to global enterprise, see how ADP can help you and your people achieve what you're working for at design.adp.com. ADP, always designing for people. Get Growing with Farmer Fred is sponsored in part by Big Oak Nursery. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Garden Grappler coming up after 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. I always like it when Debbie Flower visits because I can brainstorm with her about what I'm doing about a problem plant that I'm taking out. I talked about uh, over on the KFPK Garden Show taking out this 200 square feet of this mow-free fescue, which has been problematic. It's not getting along with the dog urine. And that's because it's a bunching grass. Yeah, and so it doesn't recover quickly. 
as right. a result. Right. And uh, thinking of alternatives, at first I was thinking, okay, I'll just put in a regular, you know, turf-type fescue lawn, mm-hmm. get a lawnmower. And then mm-hmm. we started talking about ground covers. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. And there's one that's been on the radar of uh, landscape professionals for a few years now called Carapia, K-U-R-A-P-I-A, which would be a lawn substitute. The Carapia, supposedly it's not the thug that its mother and father are. Its mother and father are Lipia, which was popular back in the 50s as a ground cover that tended to invade in a lot of places, produced a lot of little flowers that brought in a lot of little bees, Mm -hmm. and people didn't like the idea of stepping in a yard that had bees in it. Mm -hmm. Now, I I have no problem with that. And the dogs can just get used to it. I was going to say, yeah, would the dogs care? (laughs) Yeah. And so maybe, maybe I'll get plugs of carapia. Yeah. And do that. I wonder if anybody has any plugs of carapia. Well, I see the regular lipia uh, is available in many places. Okay, as what, seed or? Both, Both? seed mm-hmm. and, and plants. Yeah, I don't mind growing from seed. Yeah, it's certainly economical. Yeah. Um, so that's an idea. So, I mean, and we talked about other ground covers, too, like maybe doing uh, like a cool season cover crop even of, of clover. clover. And I don't think fava beans would be right. <laughs> be a little, <laughs> be a little big. tall. Be a little tall. Yeah. So some sort of low-growing uh, clover mix mm-hmm. might or, be nice. Or a, a meadow mix. Meadow mix, yeah. Something like Which that. Which would get taller. So you have to decide how tall you want it to be. Yeah, I'm thinking of... How many times do I have to uh, crank up the old gas-fired uh, weed whacker? And uh, it would be nice to limit that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of putting in the, the mow-free was to do exactly that. Right. Get free of mowing. Right. And the karapi would solve that issue. Yes, it would. But I'm wondering now, I need to talk to my landscaping buddies to see in those yards where they've installed karapia. How successful yeah, has it been? Because it's been five, six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of that is uh, over, let's say a clover, is that the karapia is stoloniferous, which means it... It's been stolen? It steals space. Oh. That's what I would teach my students. It has a stem that travels along the surface like Bermuda grass does. Mm-hmm. And so when the dog pees on one section, it doesn't kill the whole stem. It just kills that section. Uh, and it can quickly grow more stem and cover that spot. Does it have rhizomes, too? I don't know. I don't know either. So that, then it would be just like Bermuda grass. Yeah. <laughs> Which I could understand how Lipia got its reputation for being a garden thug, for, for spreading the way it does. Lipia does have a rhizome. Okay. All right, so there's that. So we know it'll fill in. <laughs> yes, and it might move on. Too. Yes, it might move on. That, that, so you'd need a edging. Yeah. Well, there is edging there, so there is that. Okay. And you know, plug your ears on this, my organic friends. But you know, Roundup can control it where it right. gets out of bounds, frankly. Um, or would it? Or would that be? Well, it would go back to... Yeah, it would go back. How far back would it go yeah, in the rhizomes on, and stolons? You know, plants have different um, uh, cycles. In, if, if you apply the, the Roundup now at this time of the year, uh, or glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, uh, the plant will take it to the roots because it's, plants are, even if they're evergreen, are preparing for a, a slower growing to dormant period of time uh, growth in their cycle. 
And so they're taking as much food out of the leaves and sending it to the roots. They're not doing a lot of new growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that would take the glyphosate with it to the roots, and it would be more um, deadly. So if you're trying to get rid of, actually, that's what I'm going to do this afternoon is my fence line because the birds have planted all kinds of trees under my fence line, and I don't want them there. So I'm going to cut them off and actually use brush killer on uh, paint brush killer. Yay, (laughs) triclopur. Yes. (laughs) Wearing gloves, long sleeves, you know, the whole shebang, eye protection. Um, So, but if you would, we're applying the Roundup in spring, then it's going to the new growth. And so that's where you would see the death. All right. So the best time then to control that with a non-specific herbicide would be in springtime when it's basically just putting on green growth. When it's moving into the area you do not want it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Spring for control. I have found triclopyr to be quite valuable in helping control liquid amber sprouts. Oh, I bet. That keep coming up out of the 14 liquid amber trees I had removed from the backyard. Got a few roots left? Yeah. 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 And then roots have storage in them and they have nodes and they For can, years, apparently. Yes, they can produce. But I found that if you, when you see those sprouts that are up a couple of inches or so, when you hit them with triclopyr, that tends to knock them back and they do not reproduce at that point. Mm-hmm. They just come up at some other Someplace point on else. the root. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it wins in the end. All right. Let's go to the phones. Uh, hi, Diane in Fairfax. How are you? Fine, thank you. And I enjoy your program very much. Me too. I, Thanks for listening. Oh, yes. I have a question about freesias. Um, a few years ago, there, uh, a neighbor was pulling up everything, and so I took the small bulbs and planted them in a pot, a couple of pots. And uh, uh, for in the beginning, I had one or two blooms, but now every for the past couple of years, uh, they produce the long, uh, the thin leaves. You know, every year, nice and green, a pot full of leaves, and then they turn brown and die off. And then the next year, they come back. But I'm not getting any freesias. No, oh, well, you want freesias. Yeah, how many? Uh, how much uh, sun or shade are these plants getting? Um, they're getting uh, well. They're in the pot and mostly morning sun. Should they be out all day? Well, you're in Fairfax, so you've got a lot of marine influence there. So what you call sun, we would call shade. <laughs> uh, no, no, not really. Fairfax is pretty warm. Uh, uh, Bolinas and, and and all uh, is closer to the bay there, but okay. Fairfax gets pretty warm. Yes. All right, but uh, does you get much clearing during the day? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> in fact, uh, this week when we had a couple of hot days, outside my back door it was 100 degrees. Oh, wow. that's right. Yeah. You know, I saw those temperatures in the Bay Area on Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I was feeling very sorry for you people with a lot of marine influence because it was in the 90s all along the coast. Oh, yes, yes. Very, very hot. Yeah. Well, that, that's this time of year. You get those, uh, what is it, offshore breezes? Oh, yes, our Indian summer. Our yeah. Indian summer. <laughs> if you want to visit San Francisco, the best time is right now, mid-September to mid-October. The weather exactly. is beautiful. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Well, they. Uh, so you get warm. Do you get cool nights? Uh, 50 well, degrees? It, not, uh, uh, during the summer months, not too cool. Uh, we're lucky if it gets down in the 60s. Last okay. night, though, it got down in the 50s. It was cold okay. last night. Um, yeah, they they are dormant during the summer, so they need to be uh, dry when it's warm. Oh, dormant in the summer. Yes. And, they, and, and, and keep it dry. Yes. And oh. they need cool night temperatures to form flower buds. Oh. What have you been fertilizing it with? Well, recently, not too much. <laughs> but uh, I do have... Um, 
uh, fish emulsion, which I can give it, or uh, some humus, uh, you know, soil to add to the pot, whichever. Okay, well, that's not bad. I mean, a, a fish emulsion is usually a five one one or a five two two or something like that. Yeah, that's uh-huh. pretty good. Yeah, so but, as long as I was concerned that it may have been too much nitrogen, but that's okay. I see. Then. I see. Now, actually, oh, when do the blooms come out? Uh, what time of the year do they come out mo- mostly? I want to say fall. Yeah. In in the fall. In the fall. Okay. Very good. Well, I will try that then. It just, you know, it repeats every year. I get these nice green leaves, but then nothing else, which well, really surprises me. Well, you know what that guy says about living with a problem plant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so true. They need cool nights to form buds. So, so if you're starting to get cool nights now is when they're forming buds. Now is when you want to give them the cooler nights, uh, cooler days is when you want to give them moisture and fertilizer and then uh they'll form buds and then you should get get those buds to bloom right after that oh oh, very very good while i'm on the line can i ask another question please go ahead i have an herb which i don't know the name of here i took it to an herb shop a few years back and they couldn't tell me um in italy they call it peperlizia and it's about an inch and a quarter, an inch and a half at the most, oval-shaped leaf. And it, it's a peppery, little peppery flavor, not too strong. And I know my aunt in, in Italy would put that leaf right on meat that she was cooking and everything. And I can't find uh, the, the name for it here. Mm. No, it's not peperomia. <laughs> but there are a lot of peppery herbs. If you ever get over to Vacaville, you ought to visit uh, Morning Sun Herb Farm and talk to Rose Lovell. And they have a lot of peppery herbs, and there may be that very one there just under a different be. name. Yeah, it, and it grows uh, easily, you know, yeah. uh, no problem and what have you. But uh, I haven't been able to find the name here. It would surprise me. But anyway, I was just curious about it. it it's very, as I said, it's easy yeah. to grow and all, no problem. I'll do but, a little uh, research on that. Diane, we have to run here. Thanks for calling. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, it's going to be Garden Grappler time. And once again, I, I think we've given away plenty of answers. We've talked about it. Yeah, yeah in this hour, but uh, mm-hmm. th- there is another clue available at FarmerFred.com as well as at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page mm-hmm. and at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page, a new post there that is just chock full of answers. So uh, look up there, and then when we come back from the news, it's uh, quiz time. Garden Grappler coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet if you're up on your October garden chores. Sort of. Name a garden task best suited to the month of October, which starts on Tuesday, by the way, although this weekend feels like October. Mike is in there ready to jot down names. I think he's ready. Are you ready in there? Okay, Mike's ready to jot down names and numbers, and uh, then we'll decide. Debbie will decide. I'm neutral in all this. (laughs) Debbie will decide if your answer is appropriate. Name a garden task best suited to October. A non-answer would be plant tomatoes. Right. No, you, know, you would not plant tomatoes no. in October. Not here anyway. Right. Maybe in Tucson? Uh, or would you wait till January? I probably would have put them in this month. Okay, September. Mm-hmm. All right, if you lived in Tucson. Fortunately, we don't have to do a Tucson garden show. Right. It would be kind of limiting. 
I think. Do people even go outside to garden in the summertime there? Or do I they did. Yeah, well, there, you, there are, that's why you fainted. <laughs> I did faint a couple times, yes. Yes, yes it's, it's, you, you go out at, you know, well, I, I worked for the uh, plant sciences department and we had a three acre vineyard and I would get to work at 6 a.m. and I'd work till about 11 and then I'd take a midday break and then I'd come back in the evening when it cooled off. Because it's so dry, it did cool off uh, when the sun went down. So I just, you know, it's kind of the siesta schedule where you don't uh, uh, work during that middle hot part of the day. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 5 a.m. and 5 to 10 or 11, and then, yeah, yeah, go home and come back later. All right. The numbers to call for the Garden Grappler, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Name a garden task best suited to October. There's a heck of a lot of them there at the uh, Get Growing with Farmer Fred page. Just click on a little sentence that says a clue for the garden grappler, even though there is that is not a sentence because there's no verb. And Or the uh, Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page under the... Um, I think it's the latest post, or the post that came before that. I forget. Anyway, name a garden task best suited to October. So, uh, we could give away an answer here just to (gasps) get you off, because it's a question from Sandy in Manteca. Okay. She says, we bought a dwarf Japanese maple in a five-gallon container in July. Is it finally cool enough for me to dig a hole and transplant it into the ground, or have I waited too long to plant? Oh, it's perfect time. Right. Why? Because the soil's warm, days are shorter, we're getting precipitation. Um, I think that's enough. Days are shorter. Yeah, I would add prep to this. I mean, where are you going to plant it? Is it going to get sun? Is it going to get shade? Is it going to get water? Mm -hmm. Do you have an irrigation system set up there? Right. Those are all things that could be done now and could be would be very helpful for that plant. Yeah, exactly. especially if you have it all dug and ready to go. Yes. And there are new theories about digging a hole for trees. Yes. It's basically wide, not deep. Yes, yes. Shallower than the root ball the plant is in. Yeah, when you put when that... When it comes out of a container. When that tree is in the ground, the point where the root meets the top growth... Basically, there's a line there where it was as deep as it was in the can. Right. And that should be about an inch above your existing soil line Yeah, when you plant to allow for If settling. it was planted correctly in the container. Well, yeah, there are always okay. these ifs. Okay, well, now what happens if it isn't? Is it correctable? Yeah, assuming it hasn't been in the container a really long time. Yeah. Uh, then you would try to discern where that line is. In a woody plant, it's easier because you've got... Um, flare, where the roots start to expand out from the stem. You want to see some of that root flare above the soil. Now we come to the hard part. Okay, I popped this maple tree out of the container. Do I wash off all the soil? I'm debating. I've not been a fan of that. It uses a lot of water, although you can put the water in the hole afterwards. It's stressful on the plant. You're going to do more root damage. The, the, the place that the plant absorbs most of its uh, water and nutrition is root hairs, which are on, on the very tip, and they're microscopically small. Uh, so they and they're vulnerable when you expose them like that. So um, it's 
to avoid that, I, I tend not to do that. What I do instead is cut the root ball uh, down four sides and an X across the bottom in only about a quarter of an inch. I'm only trying to cut the circling girdling roots on the outside of the root ball. The problem is that if that plant is in a bigger container, it was grown previously by the grower at a smaller size. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't cut the roots every time they moved it, let's say from a four inch to a six inch and then a six inch to a number five, uh, if they didn't cut the roots in those processes, you've got circling girdling roots there. And really the only way to see that is to wash the roots. And I'm losing plants in my yard. I have two right now. Uh, that I'm losing specifically for that reason. I would imagine that the majority of trees purchased at a nursery in a five-gallon or a 15-gallon container, when you pop them out of the container, you're going to see roots going round and round. Exactly. Yes. So you definitely want to cut those. Problem is, were they in a number one before, and nobody cut the roots when they moved them to the five? Yeah. And if that's the case, you haven't corrected all the problems. So that's where washing off the media right, to get, um, yeah. shows you what's going on under there. I think that's more of a problem when buying plants in the spring because they haven't grown that much during the winter, but they see these plants in one-gallon containers and they decide, well, wait a minute, we can get a lot more money just by popping them into fives. And well, it's illegal to sell a plant that does not have roots that re reach the inside container walls. Just have, for that have you reason. not been to a plant sale lately? <laughs> 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 I actually haven't. I'm avoiding them, uh, not because I have zillions of plants, but because I'm very depressed about the condition of production. Yeah. It's not good these days. Yeah, it, it is rather deceptive at these spring plant sales put on by various groups, not necessarily commercial nurseries, but mm -hmm. these various groups that... You know, you, you you take this plant out of the pot when you get it home and you realize, well, wait a minute, they just transplanted this from a four-inch pot. Well, and because it's illegal, you should have the right to knock it out of the pot in the nursery before you buy it to mm -hmm. see that there are roots coming to the edge of the pot. And if there aren't, then you shouldn't pay for that size plant. Yeah. Plants are sold by size. And saying knock it out of the pot might be a little vicious because all you're doing is just loosening the pot so you can take a look at the sides Right, you you're, don't have to. You're pouring, putting your hand over the top, your fingers around the stems, loosening, so you're squish. You have to squish the pot so it's loose. Then turn the, put your hand over the top, then flip the whole thing over and just lift the pot. And if the roots are there, then it's going to be one solid mass. If if they just transplanted it into that container size, as you start to lift, media is going to come pouring out in your hand. And you flip it right over and do not buy that plant, at least not for that price. Another good reason to do that is you can see all the snails on the bottom. <laughs> yes, that's where they spend their hot days. <laughs> yes. All right, let's get some garden grappler answers here. The question again, name a garden task best suited to October. First up, it's Roberta. Hi, Roberta. Oh, good morning, folks. Hi there. So what oh, October wow. garden I'm task? Number one. I'm yes. Number one. Yeah. Uh, I like to plant chrysanthemums this time of year. For oh, color. yes, definitely. They're at the nurseries. Yes, and they're in color or they're in bud and going to be in color. So you know exactly yes. what shade you're getting. Yes. 
All right. Absolutely. Buy chrysanthemums or plant chrysanthemums. Yes, indeed. Good answer, Roberta. And we're sending everybody. Thank you. We're sending all five contestants today uh, a couple of uh, handy sheets of paper from the Farmer Fred Fine Library of of crowded papers that my wife asked. When are you going to clean out that closet? (laughs) Uh, The Farmer Fred (laughs) planting calendar and shade and low water use plants for our area that attract bees. Ooh. So so handy plants. Okay. All right, Roberta. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, next up, caller two, it's Don in West Sacramento. Don, go ahead, give us an October garden task. Uh, Pruning your irises. Pruning your irises? Or putting putting in? Putting in irises? Yes. Yeah, you can do that now. Really, yeah, this is actually a good time if you haven't done it yet. You can dig and divide, Yeah, too. Dig, dig and divide, yeah. Yeah. And then plant. And then plant, right. All right. So if somebody hands you a, a bag of iris bulbs or corms or whatever they are, what are I, they? Uh, they're rhizomes. Uh, they're rhizomes. They're not corms. They're not tubers. They're rhizomes. They're rhizomes. Okay. Uh, putting them in. Yes. All right. Good answer, Don. I've been. I will be sending you, by the way, the Farmer Fred Garden planting vegetable planting calendar, as well as the uh, shade and low water use plants for our area that attract bees. So that's coming your way. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Caller three in today's Garden Grappler. It's uh, Debbie from somewhere. Hi, Debbie. <laughs> Debbie. Oh, hello. Hi, Debbie. How are Hi. you? How are you? Where, where are you calling from? Orville. Oroville, all right. So what in uh, what comes to your uh, gardening mind when it comes to October garden chores? Um, planting uh, clover, ground covers. Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. And maybe wildflowers, too? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, from gonna... what, yeah, depends okay. from from what source or what what's your propagule. Propagule. Well, propagule, I... that's a word. I'm not sure what a propagule is. I'm, I'm not sorry. sure either. What no, is a propagule? I can, I can teach now. <laughs> yes. It's intriguing. <laughs> it's the thing from which you make a new plant. Ah. A cutting, uh, a, a seed. Uh, well, I have some bags of wildflower seeds, and I, I thought I was supposed to like spread them when the rain started. When the rain started, yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, good. And that could be October. It could be November. Yeah, that's... Up to Mother Nature. Yeah, we don't know yet. Would it be safer to wait for a few rains, then? Yeah, exactly. Wait for when you see, like, the rain in the forecast for, like, two or three days in a row. And then if you look at the long-range forecast, yeah, there might be another storm moving in next week, things like that. Well, that's really exciting because then you can wait for the whole dreary winter, and then in the spring you've got this beautiful field. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, you can pull weeds. No. <laughs> All right. All right, Debbie. Clover. Put clover in there. <laughs> okay. I'll be sent. Don't forget to, uh, and we can talk about this when we come back, uh, talk about inoculating it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, propagules and inoculations, I'm sure learning a lot today. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get into the scarification and stratification, too. I don't know. Oh, a farmer Fred planting up. calendar and the shade and low water use plants for an area that attract bees. That's coming your way, too, Debbie. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Need a couple of callers to finish out the Garden Grappler. Callers four and five, where are you? Name a garden task best suited to October. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. It's the Garden Grappler. It's going on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening.
listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. We are in the midst of the Garden Grappler, getting some answers to the October question of the day. Name a garden task best suited to October. Yes, I know it's only September 29th, but the weather says October. Mm -hmm. Debbie Flower is here judging our contest today. Answers so far, Roberta said plant chrysanthemums. Don said putting irises in the ground. Debbie said planting clover. So mm-hmm. we got, you know, there's a lot more to October than just planting, although we like to think about planting because that's it's a happy fun time. fun and it's, yeah, hopeful. Yes. It doesn't have all the uh, mundane, boring, backbreaking things of other tasks right. that could be done this time of year or somewhat more expensive tasks. All right. Uh, where are we? Denise in Newcastle is caller number four in today's Garden Grappler. Denise, go ahead. Give us an October garden task. Well, I pull out all my old or dying or diseased or not producing any more summer veggies. Ah. And I put in my winter veggies, my uh, cool season. Good plan. So that would that would be two so things. Fun, but mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a win-win. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, you, you've just replaced food with more food. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. okay. I weed yeah. at the same time and, and mulch and fertilize and... There yeah. you go. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, uh, refeed the soil and uh, get it cleaned yep. up. Get rid of the uh, old uh, tomatoes or whatever has fallen to the ground. Uh, uh, haul it off if you've had an insect problem with it. Maybe instead of composting it, put it in the green waste. Mm-hmm. Just so yeah, or give it to your goats. Give, oh. Or give it to your goats. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Goats are amazing. Yeah. They had are, they had yeah. goats in Folsom recently. They had a, a tribe of 450 or 500 goats wow. uh, cleaning up the Oak Parkway Trail. Good. They would uh, yeah. fen- fence them off an acre at a time. Yep. And it looked like a mower yep. went through there. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. They are amazing. It, it was just amazing. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It was great. Yeah, uh, it's good. Yeah. Hey, I have a question if, if you have time. Go ahead. Okay. We have a 600-tree mandarin farm. Okay. And we've lived there for a long time without having neighbors, and now they're building a giant home right above us. Oh, boy. And we look like little toy houses compared to this giant home. Um, We were thinking of taking out a couple mandarin trees um, and planting a screen of some Mm -hmm. kind, a tall but um, there's like a 12-foot-wide um, ro- well pathway between the trees and the fence line. Um, and then the house, the new house is right above that on the hillside. So it needs to be a pretty tall tree. Um, well, any re- ideas? When you consider privacy, the closer you plant that privacy screen to the area you want to make private, you'll get the privacy quicker. The problem there is, well, you'd still need some clearances in order to get a 10 or 15 or 20 foot privacy screen uh, time to grow. And it has to be right. clear of uh, you know your normal pathways. So, for instance, let's say you want to do more privacy for the swimming pool. Well, the closer you got it to the swimming pool, the quicker you get the privacy. The downside is all the stuff from those shrubs would be going into the pool. By pool. Now, yeah. if you plant it out there at the line at the property line property line it's going to take a lot longer for you to get that privacy 
So that's just something to take into consideration before you start taking trees out. Consider what areas you may want to keep private and then concentrate on those areas by planting a little bit closer instead of out at the fence line. Now, you could also plant out at the fence line, and um, you're going to have to wait a longer time. But if you've got a a quicker screen uh, planted closer, that's going to give you privacy quicker. And who knows, maybe the fence line privacy screen will eventually do the job and you can take out that closer privacy screen yeah so doing both maybe is the the short and long-term trick right um hmm. i'm just trying to help a nursery sell trees here (laughs) yeah exactly um i need a tree that like doesn't have fruit or nuts or anything because that attracts little critters and the critters like to eat the mandarins Um, oh yeah yeah any any uh and so it also would need to be uh a bigger crown <laughs> and trees attract well because what trees attract birds and birds are going to eat the mandarins <laughs> what do you mean by a bigger crown uh like as opposed to uh like a deodar cedar where the bulk of the weight is down below and oh, then okay. it's thin right. at the top but well, the, the, um, something a tree with an equal spread to height Two two things came to mind yeah. immediately for me. One is uh, it's called European hornbeam. Woof. Okay. And it has uh, it's it's the genus Carpinus, uh, and they have okay. what are called fastigit forms. Uh, fastigit. Don't worry about fastigit. It means tall and narrow. <laughs> well, it's a cultivar, so it's carp Carpinus betulus. But she doesn't want tall and narrow. Well. 35 by well, 35. Would... Oh, well, okay, that's spread. And it's, okay. it's oh. used as a, they, they're they in Folsom uh, uh, along, what's that road that has Whole Foods and then there's a Kaiser. Bedwell? Yeah, uh, no. Iron Point. Going the other way, yeah. Iron, Iron Point, Point okay. in, a, in the industrial park there in some of the parking lots they have them. Okay. Um, hmm, look. They're a very okay. organized plant. They turn yellow and fall. They don't, um, I don't. If they have a fruit, it's not it's it would it's not a a critter fruit. It's a mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's deciduous, but it has a lot of branches. So even when the leaves are gone, it's still, um, still. a screen. Yeah, and they're yeah. they're they're good for small mm-hmm. spaces. I would uh, small spaces say go with something evergreen like a bay laurel, a loris nobilis, mm-hmm. because it's okay. it's a bigger leathier leathier leaf and it's easier to clean <laughs> mm-hmm. up. And it, it does grow quickly if if it has the right conditions, and it it can form a privacy screen uh, in just a few years. Sooner than, than later. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Okay, I will look into both of those. All right. And thank you. Good luck. Good luck with the twenty first century. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. It's already cold at night, and that's what makes mandarins ripen faster. What oh, variety so of mandarins like are you growing? Year. What do you have? Satsuma. Satsumas. Satsumas. All right. Yeah. So coming in November yeah. and December. Mm, yep. I can't Indeed. wait. All right. You got a yeah. sign out on the road that you have them? Uh, yeah, we will <laughs> come November when they're ripe because otherwise people are knocking on your door and, no, they're not ripe yet like last year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Morning Glory Mandarins. And maybe I'll send you some if I can just send it to the radio station. I'll, I'll come by on my bike. <laughs> okay. Morning. A lot of people ride bikes on Ridge Road. Oh, you're on Ridge Road. Oh, okay. Cyclists Jeez. always yeah. are up there on Ridge Road. Yeah. 
Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks. Okay, good luck. I'll be sending you the uh, prizes that all five callers get today in today's Garden Grappler, which include the Farmer Fred uh, vegetable planting calendar, as well as shade and low water use plants for our area that attract bees. Time for caller number five in today's Garden Grappler. It is Donna in East Sacramento. Hi, Donna. Hi. So, Donna, don't say putting in irises or planting clover or pulling out summer vegetables or or, uh, uh, planting chrysanthemums. What would you say is a good October garden task? Composting uh, garden waste. Shake your head, Debbie. Yes, yes that's great for radio. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm over here nodding. Yes. yes. Which means you're going to collect that garden waste, so you're going to do the sanitation. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And then put it in the compost pile. Yep. Excellent oh, answer. Good. And since you're in Sacramento, I have a perfect gift for you. It's the Sacramento County Master Gardener Gardener Guidance Calendar that I'll send your way. Ooh, lucky okay. you. For 2020. Yes. Even better. Uh, okay. All right. Thanks, Thank Donna. You. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well... Debbie Flower, thank I'm you. I'm so glad we had this time yes, together. I'm, I'm so glad you're not on a roof taking out a branch of a tree. No, that was last night. Yeah, well, I hope you get some sleep tonight. I will. <laughs> All I right. Will. Good. Come back sometime. Will do. All right. Thanks good. so much. Debbie Flower, our favorite college horticultural professor. When we come back, we're talking, uh, speaking of college professors, we're talking with Tom Barr. He teaches horticulture out at American River College. They have a fall plant sale coming up next Saturday. We'll get the details Coming up on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. NBC News Radio, I'm Roger Hudson. The chairman of the House Intelligence Committee hopes the whistleblower who filed a complaint that helped launch the impeachment inquiry into President Trump will testify very soon. California Democrat Adam Schiff made those comments on NBC's Meet the Press. He says he doesn't know who the whistleblower is, but expects them to testify once cleared by the intelligence community. Congressman Jim Jordan is defending the White House for hiding a transcript of a call with a foreign leader on a secret server. The Ohio Republican telling CNN State of the Union that the administration was right to do so and has the right to protect against leaks. Jordan citing a Senate study that he says found more leaks in the first five months of the Trump administration than any other. And three people were injured after a helicopter crashed at a Pennsylvania fairground. The sightseeing helicopter smashed into several parked cars outside the Bloomsburg Fair last night. No one was killed. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. I'm Rachel Wood, co-owner at Elk Grove Ford. If the words car shopping give you a sick feeling, you need to come see me and my team. We have the instant cure for weary car shoppers. Elk Grove Ford. Relief starts the moment you walk in. Green Acres Nursery and Supply, your local garden experts. Knowledgeable from the ground up. At Green Acres Nursery and Supply, you can purchase fresh sod two ways, online and in stores. Three of the most popular blends for our area are just 65 cents per square foot. Visit idiggreenacres.com for details and to shop 16 additional varieties. Green Acres Nursery and Supply, with roots in our community. Elk Grove, Folsom, Rockland, Roseville, and Sacramento. Online at idiggreenacres.com. These days, it takes two to pay the family bills. If something should ever happen to one of us, 
us, what then? But taking the time to do something about it can feel like pulling teeth. Life insurance is something we all say we'll get around to. Instead, we drag our feet because we don't want to deal with all the hassle. Complicated paperwork and fine print, pushy agents, hidden fees. Ethos is straightforward life insurance for people who don't have the time for any of that. With Ethos, there is no hassle. Even better, Ethos offers policy plans at every budget, and in most cases, there's no need for a doctor's appointment. Take just 10 minutes to apply online. It's that easy. And you'll be taking the first step in ensuring your family has the financial security they need to handle the unexpected. Ethos keeps it simple so you can protect the life you're building and the people you love. Apply online in just 10 minutes. Get a free instant quote now at ethoslife.com. That's E-T-H-O-S-Life.com. Ethoslife.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Fears Nachawati with principal office in Dallas, Texas is responsible for the content of this ad. This is an urgent message for anyone exposed to the herbicide Roundup and diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The World Health Organization has designated Roundup weed killer as a probable human carcinogen. If you've come in contact with Roundup and have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you may be entitled to compensation. A free consultation is now available to discuss your options and help you understand your legal rights and actions. Call 800-546-1616. Roundup is the most widely used herbicide in the United States, and a California jury recently awarded $289 million to a landscaper who claimed Roundup gave him cancer. But time is limited to file a claim. If you worked with Roundup weed killer and have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, call the Roundup Legal Helpline now. You could be entitled to significant compensation. Call 800-546-1616. That's 800-546-1616. 800-546-1616. Ever wanted to speak another language? Babbel can get you confidently speaking Spanish, French, or German within weeks. I just started learning Spanish with Babbel, and it's really helping my pronunciation. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? I got it. I wish I had tried Babbel sooner. See why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com to try for free. It's happening. Wherever cupcakes are being frosted, songs are being recorded, and engines are being tuned, ADP is designing a better way to work. With industry-leading HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll, more companies rely on ADP than any other HR partner. From small business to global enterprise, see how ADP can help you and your people achieve what you're working for at design.adp.com. ADP, always designing for people. Internet Essentials from Comcast brings affordable, high-speed internet to your home for only $9.95 a month. Now available to low-income households eligible for public assistance programs like Medicaid, the National School Lunch Program, SNAP, Housing Assistance, and others. Visit internetessentials.com to apply. No credit check, contract, or installation fee. Taxes, extra restrictions apply. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up next Saturday, October 5th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's a plant sale at American River College put on by their horticulture department. Let's find out more about the plant sale and about the ARC horticulture program. We're talking to American River College horticulture professor Tom Barr. And Tom, uh, the plant sale, always a big deal out there at American River College. What are some of the offerings this year? Uh, This year we have um, some kind of unusual things that we haven't had in the past, such as bonsai. We have some students that have really taken to the 
one of the uh, classes that I teach there and plant propagation where we I show them how to make bonsai from cuttings or from seeds and then we wire the bonsais up to give them the shape that we want and then we sell them to the customers a lot of times the students come back and try and buy their own bonsai but customers get first pick oh, okay <laughs> so For... kind of unusual what are some of the um, other plants out there uh, we have some interesting uh, edible crops. We have different types of herbs, and then we have things like purple uh, bok choy. Uh, you know, we have uh, several varieties of uh, cauliflower, uh, kale, uh, the winter, sort of the winter greens, uh, uh, chard, uh, romaine lettuce, uh, a lot of leaf lettuce, speckled red lettuce. We have a uh, tennis ball lettuce, which is pretty interesting looking. What else do we have? We have uh, some small red lettuce, really easy to grow in containers. And then you can just go off and pick a few leaves for each sandwich that you make. And, you know, you don't have to keep it in the refrigerator and keep it outside, grow it fresh. Great. There you you go. What about native plants? A lot of interesting California native plants these days. Yeah, uh, we have some deer grasses. We have uh, a number of salvias. And salvias are uh, quite quite uh, good for uh, water-wise, landscaping, things like that. Anything in the way of uh, shrubs? Yeah, uh, we have uh, rosemary. It's not native, um, but we have some really nice rosemary right now, um, large ones in seven gallons, and the prices are dirt cheap. Um, you know, we're basically just, you know, covering our cost um, for uh, the labor and the materials and, and the pots and things. Um, so the prices are really good. Uh, shrubs, we have some Sansalina. We have, uh, we're going to have some ginkgo as well, uh, obviously not native. Um, obviously not a shrub either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, you can trim them down and keep them, keep them rel- relatively small. Uh, we've used them for the, uh, the bonsai as well. What do you have in the way of uh, houseplants or succulents? Oh, we got a lot of uh, succulents. Got a lot of graptopetalum and uh, uh, quite a few uh, white variety of aloes. Got some cacti. I don't know if they're quite ready. Uh, we might have some begonias. Um, they're more more a spring plant, a uh, house plant, obviously. We had students do up a bunch of begonia uh, last semester and then this semester as well. Uh, we got some rapis uh, palms. Uh, lady palms they're quite nice they actually can survive outside here in the winter uh, so you can plant them as a uh, hedge um, or you can keep them inside as a, as a house plant quite nice good size ones we have a couple couple about four three or four feet and then we have a few smaller ones too uh, kind of an interesting plant we got some uh, ficus common ficus now, by common ficus, do you mean the the weeping fig, the ficus benjamina, or do you have any uh, yeah. uh, like the uh, fiddle leaf fig? No, we're going to have some willow leaf uh, coming up probably next semester. We're going to get some cuttings off that and get those going and get, uh, get quite a few. But they'll probably be like one gallon. They'll be pretty cheap, too. They're usually like $5 for you know nice weeping, good-sized weeping uh, uh, ficus. So we'll have those, the, the Benjamins, uh, we'll have uh, quite a few of those at the sale this year, too. What's really nice about the American River College uh, plant sale is all proceeds benefit the horticulture program. Yep, yep, it all stays there, and we use that, uh, use those funds to help the students and to get new material. And uh, I'm looking to sort of expand the program a little bit with um, perhaps doing like tissue culture. Mm. 
and um, we've been uh, thinking about that. We have a lot of students interested in that, and uh, um, we might probably end up having an entire course just on that at some point. Uh, I have to talk with the administration, but uh, <laughs> it looks like that might happen someday. Now, two of the classes that you're teaching out there currently are plant propagation and viticulture. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand about horticulture departments, especially the one at American River College, the people in that class, in those classes, they aren't 18 years old. They, they range in age from 18 probably to 68. I have a student who's 83. <laughs> she's, she's got an A. She got a straight A last semester and... Uh, was a bit rough in the beginning, but she went through probably one of the hardest classes that we have there and was able to get an A. Wow. So she can do it. Anybody can do it. You are teaching viticulture, and I would think that you would have a few residents from the foothills who are trying to start their own little winery. Oh, yes, yes. We always get some people who uh, who already you know, have some grapes or have their own uh, little vineyard. Um, sometimes they just bought a new house and it's got a vineyard and it's been neglected and you know how do i fix it how do i take care of it you know it's kind of interesting because the bonsai uh class i teach and the viticulture class uh, have a lot of similarities and uh landscape aesthetics uh, also have a lot of similarities between the bonsai and the viticulture as well it's uh there's a lot of crossover in some of these uh, classes um as far as pruning trimming uh, just basically keeping up on it and, you know, trimming and taking care of the plants and giving them some love. And that's that's what it's all about. It's the plant sale at American River College. It's coming up next Saturday, October 5th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. American River College is at 4700 College Oak Drive. But you're uh, better off to head over to Myrtle Street to the northeast side of the campus and go in that far parking lot because that's where the sale will be in the horticulture department behind that parking lot. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, don't don't go to the, the that uh, orange or was it Orange Avenue or College Avenue um, thing, and you end up walking uh, a mile almost just to get to the the department. Just come around that side there. Um, it's over by that nature uh, trail. There's a nice nature trail back in there too. If you want to take a little walk afterwards? It's a, it's a pretty nice little uh, area, and then uh, you can just park right wherever you want, um, and then walk on back, and we'll. We, we have carts, and you know customers can take the carts around. Students will take it out and load it up for you, and then you're on your way. It's parking lot A off Myrtle Avenue at American River College, Saturday, October 5th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Come early for best selection. It's the fall plant sale at American River College and their excellent horticulture program. We've been talking to Professor Tom Barr at American River College. Tom, thanks for a few minutes of your time. You bet. You bet. Thanks. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Don't forget, coming up at 12 noon, it's the KSTE Farm Hour, and we look at a couple of uh, trade accords. Uh, One's good news, and the other is uh, not so good news for California farmers. Also, we go into details about uh, cover cropping. We have updates on the current harvest going on here in the Sacramento Valley, including rice and pistachios, and uh, a lot to do about uh, grapes. It's been a great year for grapes, unless you're trying to sell them, but we'll get into that. Coming up on the KSTE Farm Hour, 12 to 1 o'clock on this very radio station, also available as a podcast via wherever you get your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app.
All right, back to the phones we go. Johnny and Carmichael. Johnny, how you doing? Hey, just great. Thanks for taking my call. I Th- love your program. Thanks for holding. Uh, you got it. Hey, a quick question about, I just purchased a property in Carmichael with uh, about 24 uh, various size, some enormous redwood trees that uh, encircle the property. We're, we're in love with it, um, and they, they are doing well. In front of them, uh, you know, south-facing are three birch trees that were planted about 35 years ago. Two of them look completely dead. The third is hanging in there, but, you know, I'm, you know, thinking that the light has been choked off, you know, mostly for the sunlight, at least on the, you know, the west side of the uh, exposure. And I was curious if you had any recommendations for what I might be able to do to at least save the one and, uh, or, if, you know, if you think the other two without leaves are probably goners, which I suspect they are. Do you own a chainsaw? I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> birch trees, even though they may live 40 years or more, that's in ideal conditions. And city life, for a birch tree is not ideal conditions. If you've gotten 35 years out of those birch trees, if yeah. they if they were people, they would be in a rest home. They gotcha. that's a that's a long life for a city uh, bred uh, birch tree. So yeah, yeah the yeah. two that I, the I, two I, that I, aren't I doing anything, it. they're goners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, they are beautiful against the the dark green backdrop, and I'd like to plant uh, three new ones, but you know, I suspect, you know, they're going to be starved for light. And um, I'm just curious if there's any varieties that might uh, be a little uh, more tolerant to the, the conditions. Uh, no, um, I, 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 you're not talking to the president of the Birch Tree Fan Club here, by the way. Uh, they're... Uh, yeah, I know. They, they kind of are sickly. They I've never had good luck with them, but here I have three of them and. You know, it's it's a sad. sad yeah, they sad. are susceptible to aphids, beetles, borers, amaryllia, photophora, root rot, and sooty mold. They like wet soil, which all of a sudden yeah. makes them not very popular in California. What with uh, water yeah. shortages and all, so I yes. I would kind of like to sway you away from that yeah. kind of a thirsty plant. But I understand that you think they're beautiful because people do. Well, and yeah. The, the white the white bark i mean if i found another tree that might put up with the limited light and it would have a white you know a white uh trunk if you will or you know um it, it just gives a beautiful contrast i mean yeah. it's just it is what it is I, I i knew they were in bad shape when i purchased the property and we just got it and you know i'm i'm uh i'm just thinking well wonder what i could put in there maybe aspen or or something that might you know, give me that contrast between the dark green and the well, you know, and the if, white. If you put in aspen, you better buy a bigger chainsaw. The, uh, <laughs> the, the a, a, aspens are, are are fine in Hope Valley on Highway 88 at 7,000 feet, but uh, yeah. here at uh, 100 feet in Carmichael, uh, you're asking yeah. for troubles. They're messy. They do grow fast. I'll grant you that. Especially the yeah. uh, the quaking aspen, the Populus tremuloides, but that is so susceptible to all sorts of problems, and it's a lot of cleanup work. There's a lot of broken branches, sort of like with birch trees. Uh, a lot of branch. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that on the birch trees. 
That well, that and then and then of course, anytime the wind blows, it looks like it snows from those redwoods. I mean, some of them are nearly a hundred feet, I would say, uh, tall. They're they're gorgeous, but you know, I didn't realize. Uh, you know, I guess you know. I'll, my blower needs to be upgraded just because it's going to be almost a daily thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. How much time do you have? Exactly. Well, it's cool. I, you know, I knew what I was getting into as far as that goes. You know, I was willing to do the work. I'm happy to do that. It's just, it's just, you know, what do you think might be a nice contrasting tree? You know, to give me some. Is it? Is it? Is it? it now off. you say that this would be located on the north side or the south side of these uh, redwood trees. It would be on the south side. Okay, so it would get you know medium light. I want to say somewhere from around ten a.m. to two p.m. in a midday sun. It's what is pretty pretty. Uh, where where is the sh- where is the shade? Good. If they're on the south side of the redwoods, where is this shade coming from? Um, well, uh, the, the, the one shade, the one redwood tree, the most, one of the most giant has kind of wrapped, it's a little more, uh, south, southwest. And mm. of course, branches on that are 25 feet wide on each side. Oh, so, okay. You know, they, you know, and they're so tall that, you know, once that sun, you know, except for, you know, center of the year, you know, summer sun, uh, you know, they're. They get themselves into the shade, you know, reasonably early in the afternoon. So is, the is there the a more so- southeastern exposure? You could put any sort of new tree where it might get a couple of hours more sun? Uh, not really. This particular location is a side yard. It's a very great, beautiful focal point uh, in the property. It's just, you know, I just have to find something that's, you know, going to put up with that. And I and I even considered maybe some Australian tree ferns there. I don't know if they'll put up with even that four hours of sun. That might be too much. Yeah, sun, that I'm, would be too much for them. Too much sun, you know. But and you know, I just I'm just trying to think of something that would give it some some contrast. And and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the beautiful uh, redwoods. You know, they're beautiful to look at. It just would give it a little bit of contrast and depth. You know, as far as uh, as a focal point. If you're looking so. for something with a white bark, I would try the crepe myrtle. Okay. And put that if yeah. if, if you can get. I'd like to see six hours of sun for a crepe myrtle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like I say, if you could plant it just a little bit out of the shade of those redwoods currently, it doesn't have to be much. Maybe just three or four feet. Uh, yeah, where it yeah, might that might do it. Where you, mm-hmm. where that would add just a couple of hours more sun, and the white bark in the wintertime would be a nice contrast to the green of the redwoods. Okay, great. I haven't had much experience with crepe myrtles, but um, yeah, I'll give that a try. I think that's a great suggestion. And um, uh, I presume, you know, is there a variety that ha- is more? more recommended recommended than another uh well it depends what color flowers you want uh the the dynamite varieties that are out there produce these brilliant red flowers that are very popular now basically Mm -hmm. if you choose a crepe myrtle that has sort of an indian name like catabwa Mm -hmm. or or something like that Mm -hmm. they tend Mm -hmm. to be more mildew resistant i gotcha and so you know shoot for that okay and then as far as the acid from those, um, you know, all those needles coming down, you know, that shouldn't be too much of a problem, I hope, uh, for the crit myrtle. Oh, it shouldn't be, but you can always do a soil test. It can't hurt to, after you take the birches out, is to do a, a little pH soil test. You can get a pH test kit at any nursery. 
and just see what the current uh, pH is. And as long as it's somewhere between 6 and 7.5, I think you'll be okay. Awesome. Okay, great advice. Thanks again. Love your program. And uh, I'll I'll let you know how it turns out. (laughs) Yes, and it can't hurt, you know, to bring in a consulting arborist to let you know uh, the health of the the remaining birch tree and whether it's yeah. worth worth keeping or not. But I would definitely do that is bring in a consulting arborist and get a professional opinion. Because when when you're at 35 years old or 40 years old and you're a birch tree, um, yeah. it, it, it's time for regular doctor visits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's great advice. Okay. Hey, thanks again, you guys. Uh, all right. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, nothing lives forever in, in the world of birch trees, especially. So there's that. All right. Do I have time to mention anything in the way of upcoming events? I'll mention that at the Fall Auburn Home Show. Mike, you said you were there. Did you know the Placer County Master Gardeners were there? And they were answering garden questions. And they are also selling their 2020 Master Gardener Garden Guide and Calendar, too. That, they were there. That's going on today at the uh, fairgrounds in Auburn. Uh, the Sacramento County Garden Guide and Calendar is also available at nurseries throughout Sacramento County. And you can uh, pick one up for the year 2020 right now at uh, Nurseries in Sacramento County, the Placer County uh, Master Gardener Garden Guide and Calendar. can be found not only at the Auburn Home Show, but at nurseries throughout Placer, Nevada, Amador counties as well, and El Dorado counties too. All right, so there's that. All right, uh, time for anything to mention? Um, If you hurry, Fred, maybe. One more thing. I'm coming up next Saturday. There's a whole host of events. I know what I have time to tell you to do. Go to FarmerFred.com. I've posted all the events there, uh, right there on the homepage. Just scroll down, and you'll find a complete list of uh, garden events that are happening between now and November. And if your garden group is having a get-together, a tour, or plant sale, or meetings, or whatever, and you want to entice the public to, send that information to me via email to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Try to get it to me two weeks ahead of time because I type very slowly. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, one thing I do want to mention about next week. Uh, Saturday uh, is the fall plant sale at the Shepherd Garden and Art Center. Many of the garden clubs are taking advantage of that. It's next Saturday and Sunday at the Shepherd Garden and Art Center at 3330 McKinley Boulevard. All right, time for me to get on out of here. It's the news, followed by the KSTE Farm Hour, one of my favorite shows. Coming up next, I'll be back next uh, Sunday. Quentin Young, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery Manager, will be with us. We'll be talking cool season vegetables. You know, we're approaching year 28 on this show. Who would have thunk? Thanks for your support all these years. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.